0: This is a Neighbors United in Christ
1: broadcast. Oh
2: come let us adore him. Oh come let us adore him. Oh Thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street, shine. Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord.
0: Welcome to worship, good neighbors. You are listening to a Neighbors United in Christ parish worship service sponsored by the Lutheran Churches of Duranda, Little Falls, and Trinity. Thanks today to Jim Hauberud and Debbie Teg, our musicians, and our recording engineer is Brad Anderson. You are able to join us by NUIC podcast and at 8 a.m. each Sunday morning on WPCA radio 93.1 FM, and it's live internet stream on www.wpcaradio.org. If you'd like to help sponsor these services or donate to our ministry, you can contact us by phone at 715-268-9577, by mail at NUIC Parish, 1578 85th Avenue, Amory, Wisconsin, and through our website at www.nuicparish.org. We again want to thank WPCA Radio for this broadcast. One announcement we'd like to remind you is that uh, Little Falls Lutheran Church will be holding the Love Light Tree Celebration. There'll be refreshments and a meal beforehand, and then come for the lighting of the tree and the honoring of those with lights from a tree. The church is anywhere people gather in Jesus' name. Even when we are not together in a church building, God continues to be present in the creative and intentional ways that we gather for worship. Therefore, wherever you are at this time, worshiping in Jesus' name, your present location is the church. You may want to have a cloth to lay before you, a candle and a cross, and you might enjoy making a small worship space to enhance your home worship experience. You may also want to have a Bible and Bible or Bibles for the kids and other home worship materials. For our call to worship, let your light shine before others that they may see our good works and give glory to God, our God. Hallelujah, amen. If you have an advent wreath, we'd also like to uh, do a short lighting of the advent wreath for you. With Esther, we see plainly the injustice at work in our world. And with Esther, we know it is our call to stand up to injustice, whatever the cost. We'd like you to light the candle one. We light this first candle as a beacon of hope for those who wait. As you light candle two, we light this second candle as a fire of courage that we might bear witness to your justice. We'll go to a confession and forgiveness. We confess our sins before God and one another. Radiant God, you have come to live among us, yet we fail time and again to see you in the faces of our neighbors. We look to ourselves instead of those in need. We seek the shallow comforts of those things that we can buy instead of the deep and lasting comfort of your presence. Forgive our stubborn refusal to see and open our eyes to the joy and wonder of your incarnation. Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy. The God of boundless grace forgives you all your sins renewing your spirit for the sake of Emmanuel, God with us. And we'll ask for another song from Jim and Deb. Let me
2: live, blessed Lord, in the light of your word. Let my life be a light on the hill. Souls now astray To the straight, narrow way Help me do some good deed While I live Let my life be a light Shining out through the night
1: May I help struggling ones To the full.
2: Spreading cheer everywhere To the sad and the lone Let my life be a light to some soul Give me wisdom and power Every day, every hour Let me drink from the fountain above my footsteps aright through the dark, stormy night. Give me peace, give me joy, give me. Give me souls for my heart Let my life Cheer everywhere to the sad and the long. Let my life be a light to some.
0: I forgot to mention to you that we are having communion later, so you may want to get those uh, the grape juice uh, and the bread or the wine set up for later on, and we'll have communion together. Let us continue with the prayer of the day. God of grace and mercy, with Esther, we fear for the future of our people and all of the earth. As we wait for your promised savior, give us hope that all will be made right in you amen i'd like you to continue with, uh, sharing the sign of peace either bless yourself or someone worshiping with you today beginning with a touch on the forehead and using the trinity formula be blessed or i am blessed in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen at this time we turn to the holy scriptures And if you have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn with us and follow along with the scripture readings. The first text is from Esther, the fourth chapter, verses one through 17. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went through the city wailing with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate, clothed with sackcloth. In every province, wherever the king's command and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting and weeping and lamenting, and most of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's maids and her eunuchs came and told her, the queen was deeply distressed. She sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called for Hathoth, one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what was happening and why. Hathoth went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that it might show it to Esther, explain it to her, and charge her to go to the king and to make supplication to him and entreat him for her people. Hatshah went, and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther said to Hachik, and gave him a message for Mordecai saying, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone may that person live. I myself have not been called to come into the king for 30 days. When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows, perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast as you do. After that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered. The second text is from Matthew, the fifth chapter, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Well, kids, I'd like to share a little something of what happened uh, with this whole theme of light. Uh, I used to work as a camp director, and uh, one of the things out here in Amer, we still have some of that, where we have the city lights so sometimes when you look up the sky, the stars aren't maybe quite as bright. But if you go farther north into Minnesota, we had another camp up at Lutherdale, and then at Wilderness Canoe Base, which were separated from city lights, and you'd go out on a clear night, and boy would the light shine. You could see stars, and we'd have campers who would come and say, I've never seen stars like this before. Ralph Waldo Emerson made a comment that maybe shares a little light on that. When it is dark enough, men see stars. You see, sometimes uh, we let other lights cloud the light that we need to see how beautiful the stars are and the moon and uh, when we get away from the lights of a city and we get to see the glory of God's creation. I can't help but think about the shepherds out in that field on Christmas Eve too. They got to see a star that was shining bright over and it was dark out there. Sometimes in our world, it gets that way. It gets dark around us and it's a little scary when we can't see. But maybe that's when we need to look up and see the stars, and especially the Star of Bethlehem, because Jesus came. And because of that, we have hope. You have hope. Let us pray. Lord, no matter how dark, may your light always shine, and may it shine even more brightly for us. May help us to look up and see the stars, Help us to see the star of Bethlehem shining over the birth of your child, which gives us all hope and life. Thank you for being here, God, and bless all our young people. In your name we pray, amen. Well, I've struggled with this text. I I love it. I mean, the Esther story is one that's kind of marvelous because she does get to speak to the king and the people are saved. But why is it the Jewish people always get picked on? And why is it that there's anti-Semitism that started way back then and it still goes on today? We still have, even in this country, people who are now again clamoring about the Jewish people and how awful they are and how they are rotten in our society. And yet, We see just all of 75 years ago or so, we see Adolf Hitler showing that same anti-Semitism, where he talks about the Jewish people being a plague in their culture and society, said that Jesus wasn't Jewish but he was Aryan, took away all the rights of the Jews and then started the Holocaust where over 6 million were killed. Why is it that that happens? And why is it that people talk about And this is where I could get in trouble, I guess. Why is it that we always talk about that, you know, religion or faith and politics don't mix. This whole book is about politics. This whole book of Esther is about a situation where somebody didn't speak out of faith for the people There might have been another Holocaust. How is it that we get to that point where we say, you know, faith is just between Jesus and me and not about Jesus and we, us, the whole world. Why is it that we somehow separate so that we can be comfortable? As you listen to this story, you think of Esther who is in the king's palace. This decree goes out and she doesn't hear a word about it. She's comfortable where she is. She's got all the comforts of the day. She's living a very nice lifestyle. Why should she be concerned? If it wasn't for her dad who broke her comfortableness, who pleaded with her for the people's sake and for her sake to get out and to hear what's going on and to make a statement to the king, even though it may cost her her life or imprisonment or whatever. How is it that we get somewhat like that in our world? We get comfortable in our lifestyle, we get comfortable in our churches, and we're afraid to stand up for those who are being hurt and marginalized, persecuted, we don't speak, not only you don't speak up for them, we don't care for them, and many times, the worst thing is we don't see them. I grew up on a farm in Iowa, had a marvelous life growing up, went to a school at Waldorf and LBI in Seattle and came back to Augsburg. And I hardly ever saw somebody who was crippled or hurting or begging. It just wasn't in, maybe I just didn't see it. And then I found myself in Ethiopia and there would be people always confronting me with a stump of a hand or a stump of an arm with no hand, or they'd be dragging themselves because they couldn't, uh, their legs were useless and they had blocks that they used to pull themselves along with their hands. All of a sudden, blind people were there in front of me, people with No clothes that were suitable. It shocked me. It made me uncomfortable because they said you shouldn't give to beggars because you'd be flooded with them. But all of a sudden my world wasn't the same. I was no longer comfortable walking the streets because I was confronted with the poverty of our world. Today The church has a challenge ahead of it. How do we see our world? Do we wanna close our eyes so we don't have to deal with the uncomfortableness? Do we wanna listen to the lies that speak about how some people aren't as good as we are? Do we like living in our white privilege of power? I think the Bible challenges us in that. Martin Niemeyer was a conservative German pastor who, when the Nazis first took power, was kind of supporting them. But on the Holocaust uh, memorial, when you walk out, this line is what happens, he uh, is quoted after World War II because he was in prison for eight years as a Lutheran pastor who spoke out against uh, Hitler after a few times where he saw the injustice that was coming about. Even though he was a German Lutheran who loved Germany, he saw that faith was more important than German nationalism. They came for the socialist, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. And then they came for the trade unionists, but I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, but I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. But then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. Martin Niemöller, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who spoke out against the nationalism that put white race above everyone else, or the Aryan race, who understood that faith needed to be a conscience of the country, needed to speak out against the evil of what was going on. Those men have made a difference in our world today. They paid with it for imprisonment, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, with his life, but if we listen to their stories, they were the salt of the earth. They were a light on a hill. I often think that uh, sometimes we want to say it's the outside world that's going to such a mess, but somebody has said, if the salt is what's supposed to preserve the society, it's not the outside, world that's a problem. It's a problem that the salt has lost its saltness to preserve it. If the world is dark out there, maybe it's because the Christian church is no longer the light that shines. We are not the light that should shine. It's a rather long story, but I'd like to share on a positive note, a story that uh, I hope brings us into focus because it takes us back into this time in history. When a Jewish man in Europe, it's his story. Somebody loved him. He was an Eastern European Jew. He had prospered professionally, married a Gentile, and had one son. But then came World War II and the deportation of the Jews. His Jewish identity was not widely known, and because of his marriage, he thought he might be protected from going to prison camp. But one day, as he returned home from work, he saw to his horror that the Gestapo was waiting for him. They grabbed him and led him off to the train. His mind was dazed, wondering who had betrayed him. As they were dragging him away, he cried out to one of the soldiers that he hadn't even been allowed to embrace his wife before he left. The soldier laughed grimly and said, you fool, don't you know that it was your wife who tipped us off? You liar, Jacob cried. She would never do a thing like that. But the soldier replied, then you must be the only one who doesn't know. Your wife is having an affair with the chief of police. Jacob looked back to his wife in disbelief and horror, but the expression of guilt on her face and her inability to look him in the eyes confirmed that it was true. He spent the next five years in a prison camp. Several times he nearly died. He certainly hoped that he would. The bitterness and despair that filled him was the only reminder that he was still alive. One thing, however, occasionally gave him a flicker of hope. He could survive prison camp. Perhaps his son would still be at home and they could be reunited. That was the only thought that was ever brought light into his darkness. Finally, the war was over and he was released as he made the long journey home. Only one thought obsessed him, the intense desire to see his son. But when he arrived at his hometown, he was told that his wife had left years before to an unknown destination, somewhere in Northern Europe. She had taken their son with her. He now knew that he would never see his son again. His last hope was gone. He was physically ill, emaciated, desperately hungry and penniless. He had nowhere to go, so he went to a park bench where the bums of the town gathered. Even in his misery, he could not overlook the irony. These were the men that had given loose cha- he had given loose change to on his way to work in days gone by, and now he was one of them. Before long, the police arrested him for loitering. He told the police it was a relief, at least in jail he would get some food and a place to sleep. They saw immediately that he was not a skid row bum, but a man in desperate straits. They asked him if he had family. He said he had one brother he had not seen since he was a teenager who now lived in Tel Aviv the government decided to pay for the ticket to send him there, as they did not know what else to do with him. Jacob arrived in Israel with no money. He had hardly eaten in a week and was terribly ill. He went to his brother's home and the brother would not let him in the door. That is almost unheard of in the Jewish culture. But the brother had not seen him in years and refused to believe that this haggard, discrepant looking bum At his door was really his brother Jacob. He told him to come back with papers to prove that it was really him. Jacob did not give him a chance to find out. He could not suffer the indignity of one more rejection. Now he was almost too poor to secure the means to kill himself and too tired. So he found another park bench where the lowest of the low gathered and waited to die. He did not eat because there was nothing to eat. He had actually sunk to begging for food in his own country, but here he could not bear the humiliation of it. All he thought of was death. He knew it would only be days down. Several days had passed and he lay on the park bench when in a distance he saw a blonde, freshly scrubbed teenage girl, obviously an American, entering the park with a friend. He wondered what on earth someone so innocent and angelic-looking was doing in a park for derelicts. He closed his eyes. Suddenly he heard a a soft voice speaking to him. Jacob opened his eyes and to his astonishment he saw her looking at him with a compassion and sincerity that caught him off guard. It was the first time he had heard someone speak to him with kindness in six years. He did not know whether he wanted to cry in gratitude or laugh in cynicism. But her concern moved him in spite of himself. What do you want, he growled. Sir, I wasn't even supposed to be here in this park. I got off the bus at the wrong place. But when I saw you and the terrible sadness in your face, I just couldn't leave without telling you something, she said softly. Well, why don't you get back on the bus, on your bus, and leave me alone, he snapped. He snapped appalled as he heard himself sounding as surly as the street people he used to give money to. Sir, I was afraid to come over here, but I feel like God is nudging me to tell you something. Before I get back on my bus, I wish I knew how to say it better. But well, sir, Jesus loves you. He loves you. He really does. He looked at her in disbelief. The child was telling him that somebody in heaven loved him? After all the hell he had been through, all the indignity he had suffered, all the rage that had filled his soul for so many years, and now this naive American who had probably never known a day of real suffering, who had lived a sheltered, protected life, in her innocence was telling him that some Gentile God loved him? He could not decide whether he was outraged by the audacity? or moved as she took the effort to talk with him. But as he looked at her face, he saw tears streaming down her cheeks, and to his astonishment he began to weep as well. No one could love me, child. It's too late for me, he said between sobs. No, she replied urgently as she took his thin, gnarled hands into hers. It's not too late. God will gladly take you if you let him. Just tell him that you want to. He will love you and help you. He said it was at that moment that he knew that someone was reaching out to him through her. He could not have imagined a more unlikely messenger, but he knew deep within that he was being offered help in his last hour. But the choice was his, and he decided to take it. He prayed with this girl on the park bench in the outskirts of nowhere in his own language. Then he looked at her and said, I am thankful to you more than you will ever know, but I am very sick and I am dying. With that, the girl and friend who was with her helped him up, took him by the, by the bus to the house where they were staying. The family nursed Jacob back to health for one entire year. During the course of that year, they shared their faith, read to him from the Bible, and prayed with him. Eventually, what began as a dying man's desperate invitation to God to take his life became a total commitment of his life and soul to his Messiah. He laughed and said to us, The problem with you Gentiles is that you always keep forgetting that Jesus is Jewish. He belonged to us first. Jacob eventually found a good job, lived in his own apartment, and went back to his brother and was reconciled. He came to faith in his mid-fifties, and when I met him, he was in his early seventies. As long as I live, I will never forget the expression on his face as he spoke of what Jesus meant to him. It would have been so easy, he said, to have rejected that girl, to have chosen to harbor all the years of resentments and disillusions in my heart but to think that God reached out to me, gave me a home and a family who loved me, restored my health, and above all filled my heart with gladness and joy I never knew was possible. You know what I want to do when I get to heaven? I want to be the one who offers a cup of water to everyone else. What could I ever do to express my gratitude to God for all that he has done for me? How will I ever be able to thank Jesus enough So much has happened in my life since the moment 20 years ago. But the one fact that staggers me most of all is that the girl was right. Jesus loves me. He really does. We're coming to that Christmas time. This Jesus who came to us as a baby and 30 years later dies on a cross to save us all help us to be light and hope for the world. This story tells me two things. One, Jesus is the light of the world and brings hope. But two, he told us that we also are the light. And this young girl spread that light to a dying, bitter old man who now has a graceful life. What a joy that we can have in Jesus. Amen.
1: Jesus bids us shine with a clear, pure light Like a little candle burning in the night In this world of darkness we must shine You in your small corner and I Jesus bids us shine first of all for Him. Well, He sees and knows it. if our light is dim, He looks down from heaven, sees us shine. You in your small corner and I in mine. Jesus bids us shine then for all around many kinds of darkness in this world abound. Sin and want and sorrow we must shine. You in your small corner and I in mine. Jesus bids us share as we work for him. Bringing those that wander from the past of sin. He will ever help us in we share you in your small corner and every
0: Let's confess together our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffering under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead.
3: that your promises are sure, we pray for the church, the world, and all in need. Through the prayers and fasting of Esther, Mordecai, and the faithful Jews, you worked behind the scenes to carry out your miracles. Show up in our lives in big and small ways, and give us eyes to see where and when you are at work. We call on our God, O come, O come, Emmanuel. All creation hangs in delicate balance to nurture and sustain all things, including us. Help us to be faithful stewards of all that you have made. We call on our God, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Give your world's leaders wisdom to listen to the voices of those with less power, as those voices may speak with greater wisdom and truth. We call on our God, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Healing comes in many forms. You graciously offer healing of bodies, souls, and minds, and also healing of relationships, communities, finances, and vocations. Grant healing to all who are in need, especially Becky Anderson, Clara Garish, Richard Roos, Shirley Lenz, Ida Martinson, Helen Jorgensen, Maury and Lee Nicholson, Scott Morgan, Julie Dubois, Rachel Seacrest, Randy Goglin, Gary Fredrickson, Helen Erickson, Christina Burgett, Pat and Lucille Trofe, Kelsey Zamuda, Jean Hoisington, Arlene Johnson, Dixie Taig, Chuck Hutton, and Matt Crerup. And we remember the family of Ginny Hanson Anderson today. We call on our God, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Lift up the lowly and bring down the haughty so that this world might function according to your will, a beautiful kingdom of heaven on earth. We call on our God, O come, O come, Emmanuel. With gratitude, remember all your saints who have spoken courageously on behalf of others. May we speak as they spoke until we join the eternal conversation with you. We call on our God, O come, O come, Emmanuel. In faith, hope, and love, we lift our prayers to you. In the name of your promised Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.
1: Do your children pray
0: continue this worship service with our offering. As people of faith, we are called to continue strengthening the ministry of the church, even when we are physically distant. We invite you to prayerfully consider making a donation to our parish, your home congregation, the Synod, or somewhere else where the work of the body of Christ is being done to love and serve our neighbors. Last Sunday, we had Mike Johnson from Lutheran World Relief come and share, and maybe that would be a place that you would like to give a gift also. We'll continue with the offering prayer. God, you call us to be bold action on behalf of the world. Accept now these gifts for the good of all your beloved creation. Amen. Now, if you would get the wine and the bread and we will celebrate communion together. When the church celebrates Holy Communion, we gather with all saints from every time and place to hear again the story of God's power and love shown to us through Jesus's life, death and resurrection. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. Do this as oft as ye eat it in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the wine, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now let us taste and see that the Lord is good. Take the bread or wafer, and as you eat it, hear this promise from Jesus, the body of Christ broken for you. Then take the wine or grape juice, and as you drink it, hear this promise from Jesus, the blood of Christ shed for you. Now may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you to life everlasting. Amen. Called to walk together as the body of Christ, let us abide with one another in peace. Thanks be to God. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. Amen.
1: told me pa rum A newborn king to see pa rum for the king parom Thank you for listening to a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. Our podcast is supported by our three congregations of Deronda, Little Falls, and Trinity Lutheran Churches, our small-town churches in Amherst, Wisconsin. If you feel so moved to donate,
2: please visit us
0: online at nuicparish.org. That's nuicparish.org. Until next time.
1: All you
2: may need is